Good morning. Definitely good to be here. Don't see a whole lot of familiar faces, a few. Um, I'm Scott Hostetler, and uh, Alvin would be my uncle's son, so we'd be cousins, and then Gene would be my brother. Some of you know, maybe know them. And this is my wife, Grace. She's put up with me for about 17 years now. And, and there's Brady. Uh, he just turned 15. And uh, something about 15 in South Carolina, you get your driver's permit. So he's been driving. and I got a few more white hair since then. But anyhow, I kind of see why middle-aged people get white hair now. I figured that out. Um, Gracie. She'll be 13 before Christmas. And we have Maya. Uh, she's nine. Sadie's seven. And Wyatt's three. So it's good to be here this morning to worship the Lord with you. Um, <clears throat> I look forward to coming and seeing where Elvin attend. And uh, I guess this is a fairly new church if I heard right. We started a church uh, eight years ago, and it's a great, <clears throat> it's a great process and a lot of fun. So, um, want to bless you in that. Um, I had to think this morning when we came. Uh, <clears throat> I had to think of Elvin. Some of you know Elvin, and. Uh, I figured, you know, this is a good position to have him in right now. <laughs> no, I, was, I wanted to say this. Uh, <clears throat> uh, one of the first memories I had of Elvin was he drove into our place and he had an old white car. And he called it the Bren. I think it burned oil. And, uh, and he had hair on his shoulders and he kind of walked with a bounce, you know. <laughs> And seeing what the Lord done in his life over the last, I guess that's been, what is that, 20 years ago? 25 maybe. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind the Lord has his hand on his life and the steps he's taken and courage he's taken in his life. And One thing I always knew about Elvin, whatever direction he'll go, he'll always come out right. And uh, I just want to bless you with that. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I had to think this morning, um, yeah, when you, when, you, when you look back and, you know, people look back on my life too, see where the Lord's taken us, but it's a blessing to see what the Lord can do in a life, you know. He can change us, make us uh, maybe better than what we should be, and that's a blessing. Uh, <clears throat> um, what the Lord's laid on my heart this morning, um, there's a verse... In Hebrews 12, verse 15. Um, Hebrews 12, he's speaking to the church. This ain't to the lost. But there's a verse there that says, Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. 
I want to go back to the first part where it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. You know, here a while back, I did a study on grace, and it changed my life. It changed uh, how I view salvation. It changed um, how I looked at who Christ is. Um, grace is, a, is, a, is an awesome, awesome term in Scripture. And um, when I think of grace, the one thing I think of is um, getting what we don't deserve. Um, I, I enjoy uh, going to prison and uh, doing prison work, something the Lord has called me to. And uh, when you go there, um, people there understand something sometimes that I don't. They understand what grace is. They understand what it means to, uh, to be forgiven. But I had to think of grace this morning. And I had to think of a, of a judge that, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, there are good judges, then there are bad judges. I remember a story of, a, of an inmate that says... Uh, the judge told him he has 21 years in prison. And he said he's going to do something for him. He's going to take 21 pennies in his hand. He's going to throw them in the air, and everyone he catches, he'll take that off his sentence. And he said the guy said he got ready. <laughs> he was going to catch everyone he could. And the guy laughed and threw him over his shoulder. You know, that, that sounds like a terrible judge. Then uh, there are judges that are merciful. Uh, there are judges that, uh, <clears throat> I, I talked to a fellow one time that uh, he was facing death row. He had killed his dad and his, girl, his dad's girlfriend. And he was facing death, he was, he was in death row, he was facing the death penalty. And a judge overturned his sentence to where he still had life in prison, but uh, he, was, he, was, he, he wouldn't have to uh, face electric chair or lethal injection. That's mercy. Sometimes um, mercy would be something like if someone would have, if a penalty would be 10 years and a judge would give him five. Unfortunately, a lot of people look at salvation as mercy. They think they still got five years of hard labor ahead of them. They don't see it as a gift. But see, grace is this. Grace is when we deserve the death penalty. Like, we're all sinners. We've all been hit with, with the death penalty. Each one of us here are guilty. We can try to cover it any way we want. We can try to cover it a whole lot of different ways and people in the world are trying to cover it cover their sin you know when Adam and Eve sinned they were faced with the death penalty and right away they wanted to sew fig leaves together to make some clothes to cover their shame and their sin people today are continually trying to do that they're trying to cover shame and sin 
And still, some people use clothes. Some people use other works. But again, we are faced with the death penalty. We have that. We stand in front of the judge. The judge doesn't say, I will show you mercy. He doesn't say that I will um, still. You can be pardoned. You can be set free, but first you have to do five years of hard labor. See, grace is this, and this is an important concept. Grace is saying what you've done deserves the death penalty, but I'll take your place and give you the good things of life. That's what grace is. Grace is saying you're free. Grace is saying this. The judge looks at a young man and says, you deserve death. Death is the consequence. But I'm going to take the electric chair for you, and you can go have the good things of life. You're free to go. You're guilty as can be, but you're free. See, if we understand grace, two things happen. First one is we don't try to cover our sin. We know we're sinners. We know we have the death penalty. The second thing is we accept gift of salvation as a gift, not of anything else. It is a gift. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved. For by grace, did you get that? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the what? The gift of God. Not of works. He keeps repeating himself. Do we get that? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Only way that we can receive salvation is through a gift. That is it. If I would give one of my children, um, they, they're hanging out at Elvin's, some of the girls did this week, and they, they, want, a, they want a horse. And uh, I guess they're a good influence, but anyhow, <laughs> they want a horse. And uh, <clears throat> if I would give them a horse and they say, you know, Dad, that's too big of a gift. Uh, here, take $100. I want to work for it. Is it a gift anymore? No, as, as, as soon as we try to do something in return, it is no gift. Salvation can only be, be received as a gift through grace. That is it. Um, it's actually unfortunate, but in the judgment, <clears throat> there's going to be people that say this. They're going to say, uh, Lord... Um, have we not, he said, even prophesied, in other words, preached in your name. They said, have we not even cast demons out in your name? And in your name, here's key, done many marvelous and wonderful works. They were basing their life on works, not on salvation, on works, on what they have done, not what Christ has done. And it's unfortunate, but he says, you know, he'll tell them, depart from me, I never knew you. Because their life was based on what they could do, not on what Christ has done. Again, works is not a part of salvation. Fruits are, but not works. Um, Here we see, and understanding grace is a huge part of understanding salvation, what it means to be born again. But here in uh, Hebrews 12, verse 15... Um, It goes on to say to the Christians, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. 
This is important because there are Christians that do fail of God's grace. How do they fail of God's grace? How do they fail of the gift? How do they fail um, from receiving the good things that God has given? And it goes on to say in verse 15, Let, Lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Here we see bitterness, it goes on to first of all say that it's a root. And I want to bring out bitterness. Bitterness is a disease and a cancer to the soul. The soul is how we think our emotional being, mind, will, and emotion. It's, it's, it's what's inside. And uh, bitterness is a, is a cancer to the soul. It is a cancer to the brain. It's a cancer to, to our emotions. And uh, it can take over. A root is something that grows, and a root does produce fruit. Roots produce. And, uh, you know, I have a, I have a, I built some small decks occasionally. It's interesting. When you dig in a hole, like a tree can be way off, but there's a root finds its way into the hole you're digging. It continues to grow. It continues to weave its way. And that's what bitterness does. It takes over the soul. And I'm talking from past experience here when I talk about bitterness. I know what bitterness can do. It'll take over a person's life. Um, There was times even uh, that the Lord had to set me free from bitterness, and I was already in a pastor role. I didn't realize it had taken over. But there's things that... uh, can take bitterness will take over our life. There's things that come into our life without even realizing it that can make us bitter. I want to talk a little bit about the fruit of bitterness. Um, what is the fruit of bitterness? And then I also want to talk about the cause of bitterness. The fruit of bitterness is uh, two, two, two main things that come from bitterness. The one is fear. Intense fear, and the other one is wrath. Wrath, um, oftentimes we think of uh, anger and wrath as similar. They are similar, but wrath would be more of a state that someone lives in. Uh, it, It solidifies itself in the soul. But bitterness, the fruit of bitterness, is often fear and wrath. And I want to tell you a story about a man. This is where my eyes were kind of open. There was a man that was dealing with uh, all kinds of uh, emotional issues. And uh, uh, he dealt, he was dealing with stuff. And I asked him, I said, are you born again? And he said, yeah, I've, I've, I've been born again. I've tried like 200 times, he said. And, but I started listening to him. And I remember the first time we met, he was sitting at a table across from me. And as we were talking, all of a sudden he got this look in his eye. And he stands up. And he said, some people make me so mad. He said, he said, I want to kill him. And he had a way he even wanted to do it. Then he sat back down, and two minutes later, he said, I'm so scared at night. I have bad dreams. He said, I deal with fear, intense fear. He says, I deal with, you know, fear of, 
of not being born again. I deal with fear of hell. I deal with all these fears, these insecurities. And I was totally at a loss. But I said, listen. I said, let me pray. And so I prayed, and we left. And I met with him every week for the next three weeks. It's interesting the journey that the Lord took that man on, and I was able to watch, and I realized the Lord taught me so much, even my own life. But the first time that I came in there, um, he had some things in his life that someone did to him. And, uh, he was in prison on the yard. He said, what do I do with that? And I said, you need to forgive. And so he forgave. The next time we came in, it was a little closer to home. He had some things that happened from an uncle and aunt. He said, what do I do with that? I said, you need to forgive. And there was things that maybe happened in church. He said, what do I do with that? I said, forgive. The last meeting that I sat with him, his eyes went totally normal. And he said, when I was 12 years old, he said, my mom told my dad, he had a different term that he used, but he said, it was just as, I mean, I can still remember as clear as could be, this was years back, but he said, get this fatherless child out of my home. I never want to see him again. He said, I grew up in group homes, and uh, he said, I haven't seen my mom and dad much since. He's a 50-year-old man. He said, what do I do with that? And I said, you have to forgive. That day, they call, his name was David, but they called him Hot Dog, found freedom because of forgiveness. But here, bitterness had taken his life for years and years. He was in prison. He's still there. I seen him a couple years back. He's still there, but it took over his life. And uh, when I was talking about uh, the, the root produces, fear and wrath, um, feelings of worthlessness. You know, there's, there's a couple different ways people do deal with the feeling of worthlessness. They deal with it maybe in uh, living in it. So in other words, they'll say, man, I'm just worth nothing. I don't have, I, don't, I feel like I'm worthless and sometimes they even do stuff to themselves. Um, you know, they, they, their anger comes out at themselves. And, you know, the end result is often suicide. Um, again, their anger is pointed at themselves. And sometimes it's like, uh, sometimes it's some forms of depression, for, frozen rage inside. They don't know how to deal with it. Um, anger, dealing with situations out of anger. The other way worthless people try to prove, they, they try to prove themselves as well. Uh, you know, they have, to, they have goals in their life that they think if I get there, then I'm okay. They just have all these goals. Um, on the other side, the fear side. The bitterness has a root. They deal with guilt. We talked about that earlier. Their past haunts them. They don't know how to get rid of their past. Um, they're frozen in place. They deal with the fear of man. They have this intense feelings. They wonder what people think. Uh, that's what drives them, their motivation. Um, 
They also question their salvation. The reason they question it is simply because uh, they live in a total fear of hell. Again, this is the, this is the fruit of bitterness. Um, sometimes when I do teach this or uh, have a message on it, what I do is I blow up a tree with a root. And each limb has a fruit on it. So if you can keep that in your mind, like, again, a root produces. The root of unforgiveness, the root of bitterness does produce a fruit. <clears throat> I want to look at, at, the, at the cure for bitterness. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 21. I talked to a 98-year-old man last week, and he was at peace with life. He said the number one thing on his list when it comes to spiritual things is, is forgiveness. But uh, I think it even affects, I know it does, it affects our health, it affects everything about us when we have unforgiveness. But here, um, in, in uh, Matthew 18, verse 21, uh, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Then he asked the question till seven times. Peter wasn't forgiven. He was not forgiving. He was keeping track. He said seven times. He had someone in mind. Jesus said to him in verse 22, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times 7. Jesus here wasn't saying 490 times. He was saying, don't keep track. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. Forgiveness is something that you do when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. That is the call, is to forgive. Um, <clears throat> verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take an account of his servant. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. In my Bible, it says if it's silver, it's 52,800,000. Um, that is a huge debt. Uh, that's, that is enormous debt. If someone would throw that debt on me, like, I, I wouldn't even see my way clear the rest of my life. And that's what this is. It is a debt that's not payable. Um, and that's one thing that we need to realize with salvation. When we receive salvation as a gift, our sin is not payable on our own, by ourselves. Someone else had to pay for it. We have to accept that. We have to acknowledge that we are sinners and someone else paid the debt. But here, this man owed him 52800000 This is a huge debt. Then here it says in verse 25... But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and children, all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant, therefore, and it's interesting in verse 25, I want to say this. There are people that are sacrificing their family on the altar of unforgiveness. 
They are sacrificing their homes. They are sacrificing their families because they don't want to follow the way of the cross. That's what will happen. If we have unforgiveness in our life and we choose to live in it, it will affect and destroy our homes. There's no way around it. But again, he said this was the debt. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down worshiping Worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, and forgave him the debt. I want to look at verse 27 for a little bit here. This man is a forgiven man. He is a Christian, what we call a follower of Jesus Christ. He came and asked for forgiveness. He fell down and said, forgive me. And he was totally forgiven. The death penalty was released. He found salvation. But listen what this man did. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. hundred pence in my Bible says $44. He was just forgiven $52,800,000, and he's holding someone accountable for $44. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the man would not, but went and cast him in prison till he should pay the debt. It's interesting, in verse 30, he went and held this man accountable. He took him hostage and says, you're going to pay me. When we take people hostage in our soul, bitterness will grow, and the one that's held captive, the one that's held hostage, is us. We are the ones that are in prison. We are in prison to the God of self. We are in prison to bitterness. And we are out of control. We don't have control over ourselves anymore. We release ourselves, and I'll get to this later, to the tormentors. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after they had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servants, even as I had pity on thee? And lessen what the Lord does. And his Lord was wroth, and he delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. Again, he put him in jail to the tormentors. Some people, when they read that, they think that's, that's eternity. That's not eternity. Those tormentors mean right here, right now. When I told you about the fruit of bitterness, that's what the tormentors are. Dealing with fear, dealing with guilt, dealing with shame, dealing with all these negative emotions that are taken captive by the tormentors. Again, <clears throat> this here is the word of God. When we have unforgiveness in our life, the one thing I've found is the word will stay true. We will be released to the tormentors. I've found that in my own life. This is a spoken word, the same word that spoke the universe into place, the same word that said, sun shine, and it shine. Same words that separate light from darkness. The same word says, if we have unforgiveness in our life, I will release you to torment. That's the same word. It is as sure as I stand here right now that if we have unforgiveness in our life, we will be released to torment. I know what torment looks like. It's not a good thing. 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your mouth 
No. If you from your head, no. If you from your heart, forgive not everyone their trespasses. What does it mean to forgive from the heart? It means to simply release a hostage. It means to take an eraser and erase the things that were done to us. Blot it out. It's no more. Did you know we set our tone for forgiveness? Did you know that we set our tone for forgiveness with Jesus Christ? He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We set the tone. You know, we like to think about grace. We like to think that our sins are totally erased. But one thing that happens for us is that we need to do the same. I have to think, you know, a follower of Jesus Christ needs to totally forgive. That's just the way of the cross. We need to forgive. What does this mean from the heart? Does it mean to forgive from the mouth and still have ill will towards someone? You know, boy, they, they're really struggling in our hearts. You know, they deserve it. Is that forgiveness? That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is actually wanting what's best for them. That's what forgiveness is. Why do people not want to forgive? Two reasons. One is, we want to be our own gods. We want to worship the God of self and be able to serve justice. I know that for a fact from my own life. We want to be able to get even. Jesus says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's the way of the cross. The other way is because, this is the, this is the reason most people do not forgive. Is because if they forgive, they'll have to take responsibility for what they've done. They don't want to. As long as we can have an excuse in life. I talked to a man here just the other week that said he was abused when he was a young boy. And he abused someone. And he can't get over it. The reason he can't get over it is because he don't forgive what happened to him. He don't take responsibility. You know... If me and Alvin would get in a scrap and I'd whack him and he'd whack me, or he'd whack me and I'd whack him, if I forgive him, I erase his part. What's left? I hit him. I have to deal with it. That's why we don't want to forgive, because we want to, we want to justify our actions. But let me tell you this. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ and we see the scars on our Savior's back. We see the scars in our hand, in His hands. We will not have an excuse, people. We will not have an excuse. The excuse is, was, was left at the cross. One thing that gave me a lot of freedom, you can see this message, as close to my heart, was this. When I realized that the stripes that our Savior took when they whipped our Savior, they bent him over a pole. They had a cat of nine tails. And they beat him literally to a pulp. They said when people went to the cross, their bottles would actually fall out a lot of times. Their backbone was exposed. They were totally torn to shreds and a lot of them would never get up from that pole because of the beatings. They would die on that pole. Our Savior fell everyone he went to the cross. But let me tell you, that beating was meant for my sin. That beating was meant for your sin here today. And that beating was also meant 
for the person that hurts you. The penalty is paid in full. We cannot hold anything against those people that hurt us. We cannot hold a thing against Him. The Bible, the way of the cross, the way of blood, the way of forgiveness is in the blood is simply forgive. Today you might be here and you might say, I'm a born again believer. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I cannot forgive someone in my life. I cannot forgive my uncle. I cannot forgive dad. I cannot forgive aunt. I cannot forgive someone out there. Let me tell you, it's the same as you saying I'm a carpenter, but I can't read a tape measure. It don't work. The follower of Jesus Christ, forgiveness is a lifestyle. That's the only way it works. Again, Christ came to establish His kingdom simply on the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's what? There is no forgiveness of sin. That is a call to the born-again believer, is to forgive. I want to close with that today. But I want to encourage you today. This message today is for me. I have to live in forgiveness daily. But also, if there's someone here that needs to hear this, I want you to say, I want to tell you this. I found peace and joy and love. That tree that was bitterness had all these negative fruits. When that turned to forgiveness, those fruits were the fruit of the Spirit. And it, filled, it fills us with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness. All these things become a part of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being here this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you that you loved us while we were yet sinners. You died for us. Lord, just pray you do a work in our hearts today. If we have a, if we have a hostage, pray that you'd bring it to our mind. And pray that you'd show us how to deal with it, Lord. Just pray that we walk the steps you call us to walk. We know the way of forgiveness is the way that you've chosen. And as followers of Jesus Christ, as the followers of the way, we choose to walk in that. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.